Good morning and welcome to Cornerstone. We're so glad to have each of you here today, whether you're a regular person or a visitor. We're just glad that each one of you could be here. And for anyone else that's listening in this morning, we're glad that you're with us this morning. I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. This was written by, by John, who was one of the apostles, one of the closest ones to Jesus Christ himself. Very late in life, he was the last one uh, to die, lived the longest. He was probably up in his 90s when he was writing these general epistles to the people in the various churches. We'll just jump into chapter 2 here, 1 John chapter 2 at verse 12. And he's writing to little children and to young men and to fathers. So that I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. <clears throat> I write unto you, fathers, <clears throat> because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. We're going to stop there, and we'll come back to this in just a little bit, so hold your spot there. <clears throat> I want to tell you something that happened yesterday. <clears throat> because there's so many things that happen in life that become a teaching moment. And I love to, I love to share things, especially with our grandchildren, and they often uh, they know that, that Grandpa may send some kind of a strange picture. And I sent them a picture of a couple of little caterpillars, but here's what happened just before that. <clears throat> we have an area there at our farm where they've got these huge concrete blocks and we've created bulk bins. And a couple of weeks ago, I sprayed those, the weeds, a few weeds were growing up in the gravel and the sand and so forth, and it was some sparse weeds, so I sprayed them a couple of weeks ago, and they were pretty well finished. Everything was brown and dead. I said, I'm gonna go in now and pluck out all the dead weeds. And there was a couple of little tiny weeds that had just barely, were still kind of leaning over, but had a few leaves on them, and I reached down to pluck one of those, and I noticed two caterpillars. And just as I got close to them, they stopped moving because even caterpillars have consciousness. And they became very still. And I reached down and plucked, plucked that little weed out and laid it up on those huge concrete blocks just on the, on the concrete there and took some photographs of these exquisite caterpillars. And they were, they were white, but they had these intricate patterns of black dots and yellow dots and stripes in all the little segments as it went back through the length of this two inch long caterpillar. And I walked away for a little bit, I came back, and they were gone. I thought, oh no, a bird has found them already. Here they are exposed on the concrete and the bird was an obvious target. But I kept looking around and here both of them had immediately started, as I walked away, they started crawling to get off of that concrete block, and they both went in different directions, down the wall. They were almost to the bottom on both sides. And I thought, where do you think you're going? You have grown up eating a poisoned plant. 
No doubt they were in egg form when I sprayed it a couple weeks before. And when they came to life and they started eating, because their whole job is to eat, every plant that they were on had been poisoned. And there weren't that many of them. And maybe it kept moving around and finding something that looked a little bit green but wilted. And it was eating these poisoned plants. And now it was crawling back out into this desolate desert of gravel and sand. And so I picked them up. And I took them to an extravagant area of weeds on a compost pile that grow eight, ten feet tall. And I laid them down at the base of those weeds and walked away for a couple of minutes. I came back. One of them was clear gone. The other one was climbing up one of these extravagant weeds. And they had just been delivered into heaven for a caterpillar. But I had to look it up, too. What kind of a caterpillar is this? And it's, a, it's an eastern black swallowtail. And it, we see these all the time. They're, they're very blackish, but they're very large. And they're just abundant in our area. What a, it was such a picture of beauty to me. <clears throat> but to think about them growing up in a poisoned environment. Fathers and mothers, we have responsibilities for our children to know what's a poisoned environment, and to not feed them poisoned things, but to find places of lush growth where they can thrive. This was the, the thoughts that were going in my mind as I was helping these little caterpillars out just a little bit, <clears throat> that we would, as parents, we have a responsibility. It was so fascinating then when I, I opened up the bulletin this morning and, and look at the title that our brother <laughs> is gonna be bringing to us this morning. Look at that title. <clears throat> But this is what was on my heart this morning. But let me read on just a little bit, because this is part of our responsibility as parents to teach our children what is poisoned and what is not, what is true, what is untrue, and how to discern the differences. We'll pick it up in verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, three things he's going to tell us now. This is what's in the world. This is the poisoned environment of the world. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. Is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we may know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, meaning the Holy Ghost, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? What a test. So you might call it the litmus test of life. If you meet someone or you're in a situation that denies that Jesus is the Christ, 
you automatically know if they believe the truth or not. He is the Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. It's not only a case of whether or not something is true or untrue, or it's poisoned or not poisoned, you can also be seduced by deceit. And we have a, there is an activity, there is a, the action of the Antichrist, of Satan, that is powerfully working in this world to deceive and to seduce. And we as parents have the first line responsibility to teach our children how to recognize seduction or how to recognize the things that are not true and to know the truth and to know that the ultimate promise is for eternal life. That's what he's promised us. And to have a mindset, have a goal, that everything that I do in life, it's because Jesus Christ died for my sins and he promised me eternal life. And that's going to guide every step of everything in this life because I want to know the truth and not be deceived. But the anointing which ye have received, which is referring to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> Of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that every one that doeth righteousness is born of him. <clears throat> Let's find every opportunity we, we can to teach truth and to teach our children to be able to discern truth from error. What a responsibility that is and what an opportunity we may have. <clears throat> As we go to prayer, I'm going to ask Brother Tom Muller if you will lead us in prayer. And uh, let's remember, uh, I believe uh, Terry is having a procedure tomorrow at the hospital. Terry Brubaker, let's remember him and, and his wife Becky as well with what she's been going through. And other prayer requests at this time. Yes. Brother Brant revival. Thank you, Brother Brant Jamison is preparing for revival. Brother Tom, could you lead us in prayer?
perception and the air that is all around us, even within our own hearts and minds. Lord, we need you. Acknowledge that we are frail and that we need you with us every day of our lives. Um, help us to remain true to you, um, even in uncertain times and times of trial when our, when our faith and our very foundations may be shaken. We know that you are a rock that we can, we can stand on and that we can trust and carry us through. Lord, we want to lift up several prayer requests for Harry and Becky. Um, just pray that as he goes in for an operation tomorrow, Lord, that you be with his spirit.
like we need to take up an offering for some markers. <laughs> Greetings, everyone, in the precious name of Jesus. He is our Savior, as Tom prayed, our Redeemer, our Rock. When things are unstable, He is solid. Uh, he's our Shepherd. He's our Teacher, our Rabbi, our Trainer, and He is our Friend. And I greet you in his name this morning. Open your Bibles to the 127th Psalm. Psalm 127. Out of this psalm, we'll lay a little groundwork. I know you probably can't read the title, and especially if you're online, it's faded. The markers are bad here. Um, I think there are some other black markers back there. I should have tried them earlier. The title this morning is Parenting with Vision and Focus. For a while now, God has laid on my heart some messages about family, marriage, the home. Today we'd like to focus on parenting. Let's read this psalm together because there's a foundational thought here that, that we want, especially in verse 3. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to set up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sheep. Verse 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Psalm 127. Oh, thank you. point I was going to make is as, as we speakers rise before congregation, it becomes very evident that we are not always the experts of our topic. And 
I did want to make that point at some point through the message that though I'm attempting to speak on the subject of parenting, and though Lisa and I have been parenting for I think about 36 years, we are not the experts. And I think it goes to prove right out of the gate. We fail. Psalm 127, children are an heritage of the Lord. The first foundational point that we must get as parents, and I'm going to say this morning, this is a point that we should never ever forget throughout all of our years of parenting. Our children are an heritage of the Lord. That word heritage there means gift. It, as you study that, the depth of that word a little bit, it really comes from the angle of the fact that, uh, look at it like this, your father has given you an inheritance. Your father has given you, say, an estate with a beautiful vineyard and a glorious mansion. Your father has given you that. You did not buy it. You did not earn it. Your father has given you that inheritance. A beautiful vineyard. A glorious mansion. And he has invested in you the responsibility of stewardship. You didn't have to buy it. You didn't have to work for it. In some cases, you're not able to care for it on your own by yourself. But your father has given you that inheritance. That's the angle. That's the meaning of this word heritage. God has given us our children as a gift from him. We didn't earn them, we didn't buy them, though sometimes they're costly. God gave them to us as a gift. And I know sometimes when we, when we receive that newborn baby, that's what we see. But so many times as we go through life, our children grow older, we kind of lose that concept. And so I want to emphasize that from verse uh, 4 this morning out of Psalm 127. And I want to really hammer on that thought because it is really the underlying thought of the message today. And it really needs to be in our forefront and through all the years of our parenting. Our children are a gift of God's grace. No more, no less. You can turn to Genesis chapter 33. Maybe we'll not really read it. The setting here is two brothers who were at odds with each other, Jacob and Esau. And uh, in chapter 33, verse 4, this is the moment of reconciliation. This is when Jacob and Esau met and they embraced each other and they reconciled their differences. And then verse 5, it says, And he lifted up his eyes and saw the woman and the children 
And he said, Who are those with thee? And he said, The children which God hath graciously given thy servant. Again, it's the concept, the idea that our children are a gift of God's grace. God has given us, our children, as an act of his grace. So I'm just saying again, when parenting gets hard, when the work seems big, or when the emotions are high, whether good times or bad, let's remember that our, our children are given us by God as an act of his grace. He has graciously given them to us. So God has laid uh, this subject on my heart, the family, the home, marriage. We've uh, tried to teach somewhat progressionally uh, beginning in Genesis 3 as the origin and purpose of marriage in the home and then uh, I think it was dating and engagement. The last message was on marriage itself and today we want to focus on parenting and the time that's given me today of course we can't do this subject uh, justice. Some of you have sat in parenting seminars for several days in a row and we still have to hear it over and over and over again. Today I'm just going to lay the groundwork and we're going to try to primarily stick to the scriptures today. Though there's a lot of parenting concepts that come out of the scriptures into life application, let's just stay in the Bible this morning. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because first of all, I want us to catch God's vision. I think it's important that as parents, and I might say on the onset, uh, this message I think is really for everybody here today. Not all of you are parents, but you're being parented, or you have been parented. We all have had parents. And so whether you have come into your home by natural birth or by adoption, Either way, I think that the uh, whole plan of God and the vision of God for home and family and parenting is, is a vision that we need to catch hold of. We need to catch God's vision and we need to focus on it. I might say on the onset, and I may have mentioned this before, I believe that, that um, marriage, family, the home uh, really has a twofold purpose in Scripture by God. One is, of course, the, the reproduction of the human race. God put man here to reproduce and to fill the earth generation after generation after generation. So God has given us a natural desire, I believe a natural desire, to be drawn together male and female and to reproduce, one purpose. But another uh, twofold purpose, the second uh, area of the purpose of that is 
that we would also, within our families and coming out of our families, reproduce the Word of God into the world that we live in. That comes out of our uh, home training, out of our church training, out of our family settings as individuals into the world. God's vision. The church is made up of, of individuals, of families with strong core family values. Even the church itself is really uh, designed uh, around a family setting. God our Father, we believers, our brothers and sisters. Of course, God has no grandchildren, but really the, the structure of the church is structured around family setting. So this, this passage here in Deuteronomy 6 is a passage that's filled with God's vision and focus. Moses portrays God's vision here to Israel. And this is a passage that the Jewish believers, of course, it's known as the Shema part of it. And they hold very dear. Most of them can quote it by heart. This passage, especially verses 4 through 9. They keep it on the, the door frames in their house. They keep these words very near and very dear to them. They teach them to their children for the next generation. This passage is filled with vision, God's vision, and focus. I think we'll begin by reading this uh, passage, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee Thou, thy son, and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Verse 3, Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of the fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them, verse 7, diligently unto thy children, and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. 
and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as, the, as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon thy post of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware by thy fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Verse 20. And when thy son ask thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and statutes and judgments which the Lord God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bond bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt and upon Pharaoh and upon his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And I think I'll stop reading right there. This passage is, is loaded with parental guidance of God's vision and instructs us as parents and grandparents to focus on the Word of God and teach them diligently to our children. Let's contrast vision and focus with that of chance or parenting by response, reaction, parenting with fear. Do you probably recognize that wheel, what it is? It's, it's basically a wheel of fortune. I just printed off a, a picture of a wheel of fortune. You've, you've seen that before. You just kind of give it a spin and it lands where it lands. There's really not a lot of focus or training involved, not really any skill. I, any of you could come up here and spin the wheel and, and some of you depending on your personality, would try to spin it real fast, real hard, you know, just trying to get it land on a certain color. And others would just give it a little nudge. Either way, it's really strictly chance. It'll land where it lands. Today we see a lot of parenting methods this way. 
It really just depends. Depends on, it just depends. I mean, we'll, we'll have devotions this evening if, if the wheel lands on green, if it, if it works out. <coughs> or we'll do this or we'll do that. You know, it really just depends on what type of day dad had. Or maybe the, the mood of the mom. And we get through life, we get through parenting, just spinning the wheel. Day after day after day after day. Life is a big spin. And however it lands today, then that's how we'll do it. Our discipline is just not really uh, strategic, or that's not the word I want. There's really no uh, continuity to our discipline. The children have no idea what's up what our goals are, where we're going in life. It's just we're parenting by chance, by the spin of the wheel, by the luck of the draw. Wherever it falls, that's how we parent. And I know there's times when some of you feel that way about yourselves. But in general, I'm not preaching this to you because I see you faulting in this area. In fact, I'm preaching this to you today because I believe we're in the last days and I believe that parenting and, and home values are one of the things that we're losing and that, that our culture is just going downhill fast. And I'm just trying to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Though I know you have days like this, that's not your goal, that's not your focus. That's a target. The arrow represents your children. The bullseye is the heart of God. Or we could say, us New Testament believers, Jesus. God's vision, we saw it in Deuteronomy as we read it. God's overlying vision is that we, it says, I think in verse 4 or so, in verse 2, I'm sorry, the last part of verse 2, I command you first, you, thou, and thy sons, and thy sons' sons, that we would hear God. First of all, that we would hear God. And that word here, the Hebrew word is, by the way, Shema. And it means to hear God, to apply it, and to do it. Or we could say experience it. God did not give his word or his uh, commandments to Israel as a list of do's and don'ts just so that he could measure us up and destroy us if we did not obey. That wasn't the heart of God. God gave his commandments to us that we could see his heart and that we could hear him and that we could conform to him and that we could experience him. And then in Deuteronomy, that we would teach our sons, 
and our grandsons and daughters. Our vision, our focus is to catch God's vision and to teach the word of God to our children. I know we're also called to teach them just everyday living, personal hygiene, um, how to live in life, how to get along with others. It's our responsibility to give them an education, maybe to be successful or at least find a job that they can support their families. All of that is part of our stewardship as God gives us the gift of our children. But first and foremost, God's vision is that we would direct these, these tender arrows to the heart of God. God's vision is that we would teach our children, and it says here in verse 7, diligently. That means parenting with intention, intentional training. It means focus. Focus on the end goal. Again, quite a contrast from parenting by chance or by reaction, parenting out of fear. God's vision is that we would parent, we would lead our children with vision and with focus. Verse 1, know God's word. Have it first in your heart. And, and I've talked to men all, all through my life, people I work with, even people within the church, not understanding why my son was wayward or whatever, but they admit that they don't really have God in their life. It says here, first, know God's word, verse one, and then teach and do, teach and do, teach and do. Not only are we called to teach, but to do. Shema, hear God's word, experience it ourselves, and do it. You all know the concept that we've heard all of our parenting life, there's more caught than taught. The emphasis here in, in this passage is teaching with intention, but also doing living out the gospel in our life. There's more that's caught than taught. Verse three and four, hear God. Hear it, apply it, do it, and experience it. Verse five, you, your children, your grands, look at those words, learn to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul and all of your might. Wow. That's an entire sermon. In fact, it's an entire life of parenting. First of all, learn to love the Lord thy God 
with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. And I think elsewhere it says strength. And then we're, as we live that ourselves, we are to teach our children and focus them to the heart of God. Focus them to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. God's vision. God first loved us. God loved us so much that he gave his son to die for our sins. God's love for us is so great. He gave every part of his being to save us. He gave his only son. And I, I can't tell, I'm more telling you the why of parenting, not necessarily the how. Because you all have to do it with your own styles, with your own personalities. And I'm just here saying you can do it. When you fathers feel intimidated to teach out of the Bible, to teach your children, if you've got the heart of God within you, if you've got the love of God within you and you do, just let that come out however it comes out. But let your children see that God loves you and that you love God. Instruct them and teach them. And that's done differently at different ages. I understand. But God loves them. And teach them to love the Lord thy God with all of their heart, all of their soul, and all of their might. That's every bit of sinew that is within us. Verse 6, we are to keep his word from, the, from our heart, teach our children to obey from the heart. This, this, is, a big, this is a big concept that's not always uh, easy to get across to our children, to teach them to obey because they want to rather than they have to. That's really the vision of God with us. God wants us to obey him, not because we have to, not because he's going to destroy us if we don't, but God wants us to obey from the heart because we want to, we want to serve him. Verse 6. Verse 7 is again the meat of the message this morning. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, that's speaking about God's statutes, his word, shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates 
Teach God's word diligently. I've already mentioned intentional training. Talk about God's word often. Exemplify God in your life. Live it out by example. Not only instruct and tell them about God, but show them through your life. And even when you go to bed at night, it says, from the time you get up in the morning till you go to bed at night, we are training our children. Whether we see it or not, we are training our children by what we say and what we do all day long. Our faith in God is on display. And really it is out in the world as well. But especially within the walls of our home or on our own little property. Our faith is on display all day long. So what are your interests? What are you talking about? How do your frustrations come out? When do you go to God? Or when don't you? All of these things are on display with our children. Verse 8, our faith is demonstrated by what we do, our hands, and is on our countenance. That's frontlets between our eyes. Chip Ingram writes in his book on parenting, one of them, to parent positively rather than negatively, parenting with focus rather than fear. Either one, he says, is caught more than it's taught. So again, we could say positive things, but if we're living negative, our children are picking up on that. Might be a good warning, especially today that we're living in. How much negative am I saying how much negative approach am I living? T today is, is the only day that you have, the only season that you have with your children. Maybe little buddy's three. He's only going to be three or four once. They soak it up like a sponge. Connor and I was talking about that before service. Maybe Johnny's 8, 10, 12. He's only 8, 10, 12 once. You just have this season. Now, if the negative environment that we're, we're in today, I mean, it might be good to just turn off the radio, not watch the news. The negative, how we respond, how we react to the negativity that's around us, little Johnny's watching. Little Sally is listening very carefully how dad is handling this. They don't understand the depths of it, I know. But it could be setting them on a course for the rest of their life. Parent positively rather than negatively. Verse 9. We are to put the word of God on our door jams. And I don't think that means that it has to be uh, there physically. Though Lisa and I, when we were in Israel, we bought some masseuses 
and we put up on the jam of our back door and on our uh, side door where we go in and out all the time. And I'm guilty uh, to say that so many times I walk in and out of that door and I don't think about the Word of God. That's why I put it there. And so when others would come in and out of our home, that the Word of God, this passage, would be there. All scrolled up in that little masuza on the door jam. We don't have to put it there because we can put it there and not really obey it. The point here is, is that our homes, uh, in Psalm 127, it said that our houses are built by God. And it's important that our doors are shaped by the Word of God. And when we go in, us family, go in and out, that we're passing through and we're building upon that Word of God. Verse 11 and 12, when we arrive, don't forget God. Verse 12, lest beware, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord. I don't know in parenting that we ever arrive. We really don't. Kind of gradually fades in with some of us into grandparenting, and maybe some of you won't experience that, but... We never really arrive, but we do arrive in increments, don't we? The child begins to walk, and we don't, we don't set back. We're so thrilled when he or she takes those first steps, but we don't set back and say, look what I've done. We, we know that's God. When, when, our, when our child begins to pronunciate words or to read, we know that's not us. Maybe we've trained them, but we've not, it's not really by our power. My, my children didn't get their smarts from me. I mean, that's factual. It's God. And especially, some of you have experienced this when your high school child walks up to the podium and gets his or her diploma. It's not us. We do arrive at points incrementally. And when we arrive, don't forget God. It's he that built the house, not us. When your child surrenders his life to Christ Jesus, and he or she is standing on the brink of the waters of baptism, and if you've experienced this, it's nothing but humility. Because it is not us, it's God. It's all about Him. When you arrive, probably two main concepts that I want you to remember in your parenting. And I know you already know that, but the first one is your children, our children, are a gift from God. They're not ours. He gives them to us, and they're His reward. It says in Psalm 127, we open with. And the second is, when you arrive, whether it's little increments or whenever you arrive with your child, maybe there's a breakthrough that finally happened. Don't forget God. Now, some of you are struggling with this message because you've, you've given it every ounce 
of strength that you can to parenting, and yet you've had struggles. A wayward son, a rebellious daughter, I don't know. I know some of what some of you went through. And you're struggling because you're, you're doing all you can to point them to God. I leave you with this thought. Verse 20. When thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What meanest the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then shalt thou say, Now there's not a, a lot of scripture that we can go to that gives us parents exact verbiage. But right here is one. Then God says, I want you to tell your son, we were in Pharaoh's land. We were bondmen. We were in bondage in Egypt. But God has brought us out with his mighty hand. God has performed miracles among us. Signs and wonders right before our eyes. Verse 23, he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. If you're struggling with parenting, in spite of all of your efforts, here and there, you, you see failure. First of all, don't look at it as failure. Because we believe in Romans 8.28. We believe there is a picture, a bigger vision of God. That even when there's hurts and pains momentarily, that God will bring it all out for his glory in time. We believe that when we teach our children of God's word, according to God's promise, it won't depart from them. They may not obey it, but it will not leave them. God's word is eternal. And this passage is nothing more, nothing less than the message of God's grace, the very gospel. We were in bondage. We were in Egypt. But God let us out that he might bring us in. The message of God's gospel. The message of the good news. The message of grace. And so if you're hurting this morning, I leave you with that thought. In spite of all of our efforts, God wants us to, to parent with vision, focus. He wants us to apply all everything we are and invest into our children. But when it gets right down to it, they're a gift of his. And we parent alone by God's grace. Let's have a song.
Let's all stand for prayer. Gracious God, we count it a privilege that we can approach you as our Father, Abba Father, the one who designed us, created us, the one who brought us into this world with purpose. I just pray, Lord, right now that those youth that are among us and even the younger children that maybe can understand, help them to see, Father, that this arrow on the board is them, that they've been created to be directed to God and that their parents have a, a purpose and a responsibility to help shape them and direct them. Help them to, to realize, Lord, that the direction that they were originally created is that they would go to God. I just pray, Lord, that they would realize that the sooner they give their life to you, that you can begin to work and build and fulfill your purpose within them. Draw their hearts to your heart, Lord, through the Lord Jesus, especially even at this hour, Lord. I pray for the hearts of the parents and grandparents here, or aunts and uncles, the entire family, Lord, that, that you would just draw our hearts to you. Help us catch your vision that we would promulgate your word, first of all, in our families, but also to those that we come in contact with. We pray for the world around us. We, we know there's many hurting families, many broken homes, wayward children. We think about all of the, the young people today and even moms and dads that's in in the pit of alcohol and drugs, sex, things that draw hearts away from yours. We know we can't change the entire world, but Father, just give us strength as parents and grandparents that we can build on your word and that we can give our children stability and security within our homes. We thank you for loving us, for saving us through the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your spirit, especially in these last days. We, we count on your spirit to lead us, to guide us, to direct our lives. Help us, Father, to, to yield to your spirit in our everyday lives. We just pray a blessing on this congregation, Lord, whatever stage of life that we're in, those that may be visiting the same, even the congregations around us, Lord, in this community that's worshiping this hour, we pray a blessing on them that the church would be strong in these last days. 
as we dismiss from this service, Lord, I, I pray for the meal that's before us. I just pray for our hearts that, again, that we would realize that we don't build the house. We don't even provide the food that's before us, but everything we have comes from you, the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We give you all praise. We give you all glory. We give you all honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Are there any particular announcements? There is a meal uh, provided. Many of you uh, brought in things to share together, but if you're visiting today and you uh, didn't know about the carry-in, feel free to join us. I think there'll be